Bills Mafia. Don Brown. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, who you repping? What's your team? Who you repping? What's your team? You know I'm repping for my team. I got that talent on my team. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, can you catch it? Can you? Trade day is like a mask, do not catch it. Folks, welcome into a brand new episode of the Crowd Assist Podcast presented by Trainwreck Sports. Wake here with Kevin Masseri, Meerkat, making his triumphant return to the program. Buddy, I'm absolutely thrilled to have you back here. And rounding out the show for today, writes about the Houston Texans for SB Nation's Battle Red blog. He is also the self-proclaimed biggest Bills fan in Houston, Texas. It's Matt Weston. He's on Twitter at Matt double underscore Weston. Remember the second one. That's important. Matt. Thanks for being here today, man. Appreciate you taking the time. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me on. And I know for me, this is a my personal Super Bowl. Um, after <laughs> being a fan of Josh Allen, like going back to his rookie year, when he was doing things like stiff-arming J.J. Watt in the pocket and leapfrogging Anthony Barr. And to go from like entertaining to really good, it's been a lot of fun. And so I'm excited to watch him throw for like 400 yards and four touchdowns after all the, <laughs> the years of me, you know, he made fun of for my love of Josh Allen. So I'm excited to see like some retribution for all those uh, incorrect words over the years. Incorrect words and incorrect calls back from that Houston Texans game back in 2019. And I said, I didn't want to relive it because I was there. It was a very long plane ride home. Uh, but, you know, it's just interesting how drastically different the paths for these two franchises have gone. One has found their franchise quarterback and one might be on the cusp of losing theirs. Uh, so is how like, is that one of the storylines you're looking at for this game? Or are you looking more granular? Like, you know, this is week four of, uh, of, of the 2021 season. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the Texans season, really the only thing that matters is what they get for Deshaun Watson at the end of it. You know, this is a bad team and, they lost Tyrod Taylor, and he was playing like a fringe top 10 quarterback in a really efficient, well-run offense. But that same offense can't exist with Davis Mills at like quarterback. And so now they're in a spot where by the time Taylor comes back in three more weeks, they may be one in seven. And then it's like, do you even bring him out at that point? Do you just keep Davis Mills out there? There really isn't like you know, much to kind of gleam uh, going forward. But really like week in, week out, you're just kind of trying to see for some sort of spots of like young talent that may have been overlooked in the Bill O'Brien era. And they really haven't kind of come through just yet, but kind of like going into every game, that's really kind of the only thing you're looking for at the moment. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Bill's Mafia was kind of hoping that Tyrod Taylor would be active for this game. I know I can say that personally. It would have been nice to have him get a real homecoming, you know, starting in this stadium once again in Orchard Park. Um, when he went down in that game against the Cleveland Browns in week two, do you think that altered the path of the season for the Texans or is it more of the same? Obviously Davis Mills is not the quarterback that Tyrod Taylor is, but you know, with Tyrod Taylor, how much bigger was the ceiling for this offense? Yeah. I mean, it was still probably going to be one of the worst rush offenses in football. Uh, I think they were like 30th in DVOA. Like DVOA is kind of weird the first few weeks of the season, but they're yeah. averaging like, you know, three points, yards a carry. Like Phil Lindsay, I think he's averaging like slightly over one yard a carry right now. They just we were just block. talking about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, don't, they don't block the outside zone well at all. They try to run it all the time. And so Taylor doesn't add much as a runner at the age of 32, but like there's still like the threat on passing downs. So they can take off and get some rushing production. But yeah, like with Mills at quarterback, this is not 
like a fringe top 10 passing offense and a small sample, it's a bottom five passing offense. And so you kind of lose like the fact that if Houston's defense forces, you know, three or four turnovers because they can't get any stops and that's the only way they're able to. Um, they're having like, you know, four or five of those kind of fortunate games where they force a couple of turnovers. Those are the games that they could win. So maybe instead of this being like a two-win team or a three-win team, it could be a five or six-win team. And uh, and that that's kind of like out the door now. Yeah, and, and you know, they, they talk about, uh, I think it was David Culley said that the Davis Mills offense will be opened up in week four <laughs> against the Bills. Can you tell us what exactly that means? Or, or your chuckle tells me you might also be trying to figure that out. Yeah, like last week on Thursday Night Football, it was pretty much the don't die, please don't die, Davis Mills offense, <laughs> where it was a lot of screen passes, a lot of runs that went nowhere. Um, they kind of let them run from like the shotgun and empty sets a little bit more in the third quarter. And they, they had that one touchdown drive because of it. And after that touchdown drive, Carolina just said, why are we going to even do anything aside from bring five or six every play? Because they have one wide receiver in Brandon Cooks. And after that, he was just kind of like crushed in the pocket a lot. He was sacked four times. He took nine hits. And it was a little bit worse than that. There was like that one sack they called the incomplete pass. And uh, he takes he takes bad shots too. It's not like these are – like he's scrambling kind of you – know, like slowly falls down sort of sacks. These are him getting crushed and mangled in the pocket. And so I don't know what an open Davis Mills offense looks like. I think it's more, you know, shotgun empty sets, but he just doesn't have the pocket presence to really run that. And he doesn't have the legs from mobility. He's very slow. It's like, you know, he's walking through clay whenever he runs the ball that like the, the album artwork <laughs> from Creed's human clay, that's Davis Mills, you know, running the football. And so going from there where you don't really have that thread, all you can't really run that same Taylor offense. I have no idea what that means when David Coley says that. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, we got to talk about Brandon Cooks. I mean, he is a receiver yeah, yeah. one, in my, in my opinion. Um, Most underrated receiver in the league, maybe. Might be, yeah. You, for for he's years getting, now. <laughs> he's getting severely probably underdrafted in most fantasy leagues. I mean, dollar oh, player yeah. in auction. You're talking maybe late round pick in, in a snake draft. And, I mean, he's a player that I've been watching and that's brought in a little bit of juice, brought in a little bit of talent to this Houston offense. I mean, that's got to be a really big talking point there. And then I like I just didn't even realize that Anthony Miller was a guy that got you know 35 snaps total so far, but, <laughs> um, um, that he is there. And obviously, you know, there's there's all types of different names there. And like Danny Amendola, I'm guessing he's hurt, right? Um, so like, what's going on with that receiver room? And I, I mean, like you have Cooks and Fuller. That that could have been like a good combination, um, obviously. And you know, with Fuller going to Miami, we you know, Bills fans, we we're tracking that because he didn't play week mm -hmm. two. Um, so, like, what's your opinion of those weapons? Like, is there anything there to like kind of hang your hat on? Like, is there like with the limited amount of draft picks that Houston's had, and and one of going to Davis, like, what wh what's your, what's your opinion? And obviously, you're going to get a return from um, from your quarterback and Deshaun Watson, but like what's the return on this future? Like, are, like talk to us about kind of the overarching view of like Brandon cooks is good today. Um, but like, what's kind of the, the picture there? Is he someone that could get traded at the deadline? Like, like what's, what, what's your opinion? Yeah. It's kind of ironic because they made the DeAndre Hopkins trade. A lot of the, the losers who are wrong about everything. They were saying, well, the good thing about the Brandon cooks trade and training Hopkins is that now they come up with the offense more and Watson doesn't rely you know, solely on DeAndre Hopkins and, the idea is like you have Cooks and Fuller on each sideline with speed that you know they force teams to play two high shells and then it opens up the middle field for Rayon Cobb and he can get easy catch opportunities against you know bad cornerbacks and that never really came to fruition at all. But now like <laughs> one year later after that trade, 
Brand Cooks, I think, is accounted for 55% of the pass targets in this offense. Wow. And, like, he's not that sort of receiver. Like, I, he's better than what I gave him credit for. Uh, and he's been, like, a, a, a number one wide receiver. I always kind of thought of him more as a 1B. But he's been that so far through three weeks. And, like you mentioned, like, the offense right now, passing offense-wise, even with Taylor, it was really just throw the ball to Brandon Cooks. And Davis Mills is – your neck has been craned in one direction. It's just towards <laughs> Cooks over and over again. And it doesn't leave. And, like, his brain's kind of slow. He's still learning the offense. And so he even takes, like, bad hits from the opposite side and everything else. Um, as far as Cooks' future goes, like, I was kind of pining for him to get traded last year just because of his salary. But they're able to restructure it. So he's only owed $5.6 million this year to the cap. But Cooks said himself that he will veto any trade. He doesn't even get traded anywhere at all. He's tired of being traded. He'd rather sure. you know, be in Houston than – and play and play on a bad team than be traded. But I mean, like if they're one in six or whatever, uh, I don't think he'll turn down a trade to a team that really warrants him. Like if you get a third round pick for him, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. As far as the rest of their weapons go, you know, Chris Conley's never been good, even in Kansas City and uh, in Jacksonville, and even like with more pass catching opportunities. Nico Collins was a third round pick who was interesting as far mm-hmm. as like a, a tall, physical outside wide receiver perspective. And I kind of like the idea too of him like lining up in the slot, being a big slot receiver. And I really like the slot vertical, and he seemed like he could run that pretty well. But then he hurt his shoulder uh, catching a RPO glance for against Cleveland against like cover four, and then he's been out. And then Anthony Miller caught, was after you finally after hurting his shoulder in the preseason, and he caught that touchdown um, against Carolina for the team's only you know, touchdown that game last week. But there really isn't like a lot at the wide receiver position at all. It really is kind of Brand Cooks, and and that's it. Uh, David Johnson's not that good in the pass game. Farrell Brown's their best tight end, but we haven't really kind of seen him used that much as a pass catcher. And Jordan Akins is like, supposed to be like the team's best pass catching tight end, but he's been mainly used as a decoy, be able to drive to draw defenders in for zone coverage and open up things for other guys. So it's uh, it's really Cooks and, and Cooks and Cooks, and it's surprising for guys like five foot seven, 185 pounds to have the workload he's had so far, but that's the way it's been. So to bounce off of that, I mean, I was going to ask about the receiving room, but you pretty much just covered it all because it's kind of wild <laughs> when you look at the team right now. I mean, outside of Brandon Cooks, nobody even has double-digit targets on the, that. I was just going right to say, just, he's got almost wild. 40% of their targets. And, you know, you're looking for somebody behind Brandon Cooks and your team who didn't have a lot of draft picks this year, obviously, and you invest draft capital into a guy like Brevin Jordan, who in the draft process I like, but he's been a healthy scratch through three games. Is it just, you know, getting up to speed with the offense, getting up to the NFL rhythm? Because it feels like that's a guy who they should be seeing what they have right now at pass catcher. Yeah, Jordan's interesting because he has such a weird athletic profile for a tight end. Like he's mm-hmm. kind of shorter. He's not that heavy. Um, his arms are kind of small. And so you don't really see somebody like him play that position. He said in the, in the preseason that blocking is a lot different in the NFL. And it's a lot tougher than he experienced in college. And so I think that's really it. Like he's just not there as a blocker at all. But you know, one of the problems that this offense has had already so far this year is they don't really kind of catch, create that many yards after the catch opportunities. And so that's one of the things that you know, Brevin Jordan hypothetically be really great at. And that's what he excelled at Miami is breaking tackles and, and picking up yards after the catch. And so I've been surprised we haven't seen him. It's since they've been Brown, it's been Akins. And then they also been starring Anthony Alclair, a good amount, who's like a practice squad tight end, who's there for blocking ability. And he's been good in that role, but he doesn't really offer much as a pass catcher. And so I think they're just kind of waiting until Jordan's you know good enough as a blocker or until they're in like the very bottom of the muck at like one and six or whatever to bring him along and – just see what he has in him. 
And like, you know, continuing with, you know, the people on offense outside of Davis Mills, the running backs, you know, Meerkat and I do the fantasy show here at Trainwreck Sports and the running backs in Houston. We were all kind of high on almost a different one coming into this season because we thought, you know, David Johnson, he might be the most talented or Philip Lindsay. He's the closest to playing at his ceiling. How do they even go about using them not let's not talk about fantasy because if you're thinking about starting any of them in fantasy you're probably going to lose your week but uh just just in general game planning how do they use these running backs and what can we expect to see yeah we really haven't seen david johnson much in the run game he's mainly used on on passing downs and he's kind of just like a dump off option he had like a, a pretty good first down reception against cleveland where he made one guy miss to convert whenever davis mills was that quarterback on like third and nine uh, but that's really kind of the, the biggest play we've seen from him. They kind of gave him like a gimme jet sweep touchdown against Jacksonville too, but they really haven't used him as a runner much at all. And Philip Lindsay's like the typical outside zone back, but they don't block the outside zone well at all. And he looks a little bit slower too. He's having trouble getting to the edge and turn the quarter um, to pick yards up the field whenever he decides to bounce runs outside. And that's been kind of every single run has been like that for him. And he's not big enough to really kind of mash between the tackles consistently. It's kind of like, the occasional play you'll see them run from, you know, whether it's power or trap, or whatever, like, like we saw in Denver, but all in all, he's mainly outside zone back. And, and Burkhead's just kind of here for special teams and miss blocks and, and pass coverage. And I don't know why he's out there and, and pass protection, but he's bad at it and miss blocks there. <laughs> uh, but it's funny because like Mark Ingram's the best running back on this team. And yeah. he's aver- like uh, going into the Carolina game, he was ad- averaging 0.8 yards before contact and 2.4 yards after contact. And he broke four tackles and there wasn't a Texans running back charge breaking one tackle in the run game, uh, according to pro football f- reference at the time. And like, he's been able to like bounce off tackles and actually create stuff. And, and the thing Houston's offensive line has been good at in the run game has been creating like more typical hip to hip double teams that move the first level. They've been able to do that. They can't block the second level at all. They can't block the the back the backside scoop blocks at all. They can't block the outside zone at all. But they're able to you know drive the first level pretty well. And like that's what Ingram has been good at. He's been able to bounce off linebackers and and create on his own, which is really surprising for you know his age and how he looks in Baltimore that he would be the best running back of this group. Well, if you round out the offense, you got to talk about the offensive line a little bit. And I mean, Marcus Cannon and, and Laramie Tunsil is a pretty good tackle combination in the NFL. Um, you know, historically that that'd be pretty good. And, you know, you know, Justin Brett, Titus Howard, Mac Sharp, uh, Sharping, like what is your opinion of that offensive line? There's some names there. I mean, the bills have definitely played worse offensive lines already uh, this season. Um, most notably Miami's was terrible. I mean, that was a terrible offensive line. Um, but what's your opinion on that? I mean, I, I, like looking at it, like I'm, I'm cool with that tackle play. Although like if you pull up, you know, PFF, if you use that, like they're like run blocking has been horrible, but like, what's your opinion on that line? Yeah. That you spent that Miami game. I don't think Austin Jackson wanted to play football that game. Like I've no. never seen like a tackle be sort of demoralized and like, I guess whether it was up in or so or anybody else, he had no, no chance against it. Even Milano had some good pass rushes against him. Um, this Texans offensive line though, like you mentioned, it's a lot of names. Like you would expect that for there to be better production considering how much they invested into it with the Larry Tunsil trade where they gave up two first round picks, a second round pick. They use a second round pick on Max Sharping. They use a first round pick on Tyus Howard. They cut second round pick Nick Martin, signed Justin Britt, who's been you know, actually pretty good and like been an upgrade over Martin so far this year, which is surprising to see. And they made a pick swap with New England, take on Marcus Cannes contract. Um, I mean, like again, they're they're having problems. They're problems uh, blocking the outside zone, which they focus on, and they win their one versus one pass blocking matchups really well. Like you don't really see them like get beat with like 
a, like a pure pass rush move in a one versus one situation. They've been locking down those rushes a lot. Um, but like against blitzes, they've been bad against stunts. They've been bad. Like these are elementary, like T stunts that they've been you know picking up since they were middle school and they still have problems picking those up too. But yeah, you would expect they would be better considering how much talents here on paper, how much they've invested, invested into it. It just hasn't happened all that yet. Uh, but I think my favorite thing watch about this offensive line pass protection is whenever they chip for Larry Tunsil after, you know, all the accolades and everything and his ability as a one versus one pass blocker to like still chip him at this time. Uh, that always kind of cracks me up whenever I'm watching a Texans game, but I guess it's like Bill's defense that blitzes a lot, especially from the overhang position um, and how many twists and stunts they use. It's kind of like the, the worst matchup for Davis Mills, in this offensive line. Yeah, and to put a bow kind of on the offense here, like just when you look at the Bills defense since you brought them up, do you see any opportunities specifically targeting a specific player, a specific area of the field where maybe the Houston Texans could maybe give the Bills a run for their money, at least on the offensive side of the ball? Like obviously, you know, the cornerback two has been a popular topic of discussion here in Buffalo. Um, you know, Levi Wallace and Taron Johnson have done respectable. Taron Johnson specifically in the slot has been doing really, really well this season. So that might not be where. Um, but do you maybe think that, you know, Brandon Cooks uh, going up against Levi Wallace could be something we see? Or is Cooks, maybe since he's the only established receiver in this offense, really, is he getting the shadow treatment from one of the top corners? Yeah, that's what I would expect. Like you can, I mean, I I know Buffalo has played you know, more zone than usual kind of this year, and so I don't really expect that. I mean, I, I would think they would just put White on Cooks and leave it at that, and then be able to blitz five or six and just play with one safety deep, and then be able to use Milano and be able to use Poyer, um, and use and be able to use Johnson in blitzes, and then just keep rotating that deep defensive line they have now, and just run as many stunts and twists as possible. I just don't really see like anything offensively where they have like a, a really good advantage except for whenever you get cooks on like a third or fourth cornerback, but I don't think it's going to happen very often. And if you look at that game against Carolina, they had, you know, they had one punt at the 40 yard line that kind of <laughs> negated score, a scoring attempt on fourth and four. They had one touchdown drive after they were down by two plus scores and they kind of offered more from the shotgun and they had a field goal on top of that. And so they really haven't chained together any consistent offense. And even go back to the Cleveland game with D- with Davis Mills, their one touchdown drive happened because of a pass interference penalty. And then, and that was kind of, like, and then they had like a, a scramble outside the, the pocket where he's able to hit Andre Roberts, like for a deep out route. And that was kind of it. Like those are like the only two big plays that they're able to get. And that kind of lets their 10 points, you know? So I, I don't know. I don't really see like a, a matchup available for Houston this game. And it's going to be like that kind of the rest of the year, no matter which defense they play. It's like, well, I don't really know how they're going to move the ball just because of the problems they have with their talent, especially the quarterback position right now. Do you see mm-hmm. Davis Mills as a, as a long-term option? Or do you think he's a, do you think he's a QB two? Like, I want to know your opinion on it. They did spend a third, their top draft choice on it. Like, do you see, I don't know. We've seen other crazier things happen in this league. Like what's, <laughs> what's your opinion on, does he show enough to, to you know, Josh Allen, quite frankly, underneath the current head coach of the Houston Texans, um, didn't show. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Um, it was a rookie, but toward the end of the second, you know, I, you know, second half of the first season, Josh Allen started to show, okay, he's got something there. Like he looks way better than most rookies now. Um, even though his team sucks, like the bills are <laughs> terrible. Um, and then quickly yeah. we're really good. Once Josh Allen took a bad team to 500, the second half of the year. And then from there, and including a good game against Houston. And then from there, um, you know, 
just just continue to win. So like, do you see anything there redeeming that would be like, well, let's pump the brakes on a quarterback or with all these assets that you're probably going to get returned based on what happens with Watson is just number one, overall pick number two, overall pick, whatever. Is it going to be quarterback? No doubt. No question. Yeah. That's, I mean, the thing about it is there's, like a lot of like people like the Texans land that are like, well, it's just been a game and a half. You know, Mills was better than all these other rookie quarterbacks last week, that sort of thing. But he hasn't been big, he hasn't been good at all. And like it's not just how he's been like the first game and a half, and where he hasn't really kind of shown a whole lot at all. But see, like even going back to Stanford, like watching the video at Stanford, I really wasn't buying it because he's not very athletic at all. Um, and then he doesn't have the down and down accuracy to move the chains. And so like a quarterback, you know, like Lamar, uh, like Lamar Jackson, like if he's missing like a, a second and sixth throw, it really doesn't matter that much because he can scramble for it on third down, you know, but with a guy like Davis Mills, you have to have the downtown accuracy, be able to move the, uh, move the chains. And so I'm just not seeing that for Mills. You're really very much at all. The other thing about him too, is that he, uh, he could throw the ball down the sideline a little bit in college, like those like touch passes down the sideline were kind of like his best strength. But we haven't seen it yet in Houston at all. He's kind of thrown a few, but they're like out of balance and they're not going anywhere. And they really don't have like any plan or direction for the balls going. He's throwing down the sideline. They're kind of like give up heaves that don't really have like an endpoint at all. So I mean, I don't really, I don't, I don't expect much from Mills. I don't think he's a quarterback that would be good in the future. And it's just that not after like a game and a half. It's after what he did at Stanford too. But the funniest thing about the selection though is the Texans when they picked him. They were celebrating the draft room like they had just won the Super Bowl. You know, they were high fiving <laughs> and popping champagne bottles. And I didn't understand the pick them by taking quarterback with all the needs <laughs> that they had. Uh, yeah. And then watching the video of him, it made even less sense too. But I don't think he's a long term option. I think he's, you know, probably a backup quarterback. And it's hard to think of a good player to compare him to because there's not a lot of slow quarterbacks who take a lot of hits, who have bad <laughs> accuracy in the NFL. So you really can't come up with very many names to be able to describe them to. Yeah, and I thought I saw a stat before week one that the Texans starting lineup was the only one in the NFL without a single rookie starting, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so based on what you said about Davis Mills, about the you know how you're kind of confused about the draft pick there in the third round, you know, I imagine that, it, it, first of all, is that true? And it, don't tell me I'm wrong with that, first of all. Yeah, offensively, you'd be true. I, I mean, because Nico Collins didn't start receiver. It was, yeah. uh, it was Conley. So yeah, that'd be true. Yeah. So, so like, obviously in your opinion, the Davis Mills pick was puzzling and like, is that like an indictment of obviously the organization, like how much have they kind of set the overall, you know, forecast of the franchise back by maybe not just throwing rookies out there and, you know, at least having people who are playing for a future maybe. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that's a great question. It's kind of what we saw a lot during the Bill O'Brien era was that they would draft players and then they just wouldn't play them at all. And there's a lot of kind of talk from you know people and who are actually at practice, like beat reporters and stuff, that you'd hear that there just wasn't like a lot of high level coaching at all. So like they would just like come in, they would just like scrimmage and run the offense and practice like plays and down and distance situations, but they wouldn't actually run drills and try to you know extract more talent these players and teach them their position at all. And so there's a lot of guys like you know Lion Johnson, I don't think is very good, or Zach Cunningham, who's been you know, very easy to block so far. Or, you know, Charles Amena, who has been able to stop the run, but it's been like a pretty good interior pass rusher, um, who like were there and like made, and like Ross Blackluck had a bad year last season's rookie year, who like were there, didn't get very many opportunities, but you didn't know necessarily what was there because of the prior regime too. And so this year at Houston, with just like the lack of overall young talent they have, 
it's it's like you after trade make the learning tensile trade and everything else that came along with that as well that you really don't know what you have for the future and the cabinet's so empty and Nick Casario decided this offseason kind of like there's a split where he made decisions for you know, sign a bunch of veteran free agents but then he but then he also did things like restructure a bunch of contracts that created less cap space for next season, open up cap space for this season. So you get sign a bunch of veteran free agents too. So there really was like a split in like, is this a rebuilding team? Is Do they actually think they're going to be good this year because they had a lot of bad luck last year? And uh, I don't know exactly what his his plan was this season, what his long-term idea was or or what he was doing this offseason that split in his thinking. But yeah, there's just not a lot of young talent. The veteran players they signed aren't very good either. And I guess the only good thing about next year is that they are going to have all their draft picks and they could potentially get you know, two top 10 picks by trading Watts into a team like you know, the Giants or the Eagles or whoever else. Giants and the Eagles, you don't bring up Miami. Yeah, I guess they have. They only have one first-round pick this year, though. That's the only thing. Because they, <laughs> they have San Francisco, so it makes it a little yeah, harder. Yeah. Uh, the Giants are my personal favorite team just because they're 0-3 and Chicago is 1-2 and, and they have the Bears pick. Sure. And you think they may kind of want to start over and the, the owners kicking over trash cans and everything else. <laughs> a bit of a, a bit of a tough question. I feel like I know your answer, but I, I, it's worth asking: Do you ever see Deshaun Watson taking a snap as the Texans' quarterback again, ever? No, I don't. And like he's been really adamant against his trade. You know, even yeah. going back to it. And like, I mean, Watson's not like aside from like the sexual assault stuff, like just sort of pure like employer-employee relationship. He's not without fault at all. Like he he signed up for this. He signed a long-term extension with Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby. He knew what he was getting himself into. Like it all fell apart last year, but the cracks were there for a while. And like, as far as the suspension thing goes, you know, one of the things that the NFL does is that whenever they complete their investigation, they take the evidence from the accuser and they give it over to the player. And so if you're accusing somebody of something, you're not going to go along with the investigation because there goes your entire case. And so Watson's not set to trial until next year. And so if he is suspended, I don't think he's probably suspended until 2023. And who knows like what happens between now and there? Who knows what he did or didn't do? I have no idea. I think that's the only thing like I feel really firmly strongly about that if he is suspended, it won't be probably for two more years. And so like I think a team would probably buy on that, especially with you know the fact that he's a top five quarterback, everything else that goes along with that. But I don't think he plays in Houston ever again, though. Mm-hmm. Now, what would happen if they activated him? Would they just commissioner put him on the exempt lift? That's like an ex- that's like a suspension. So if I'm him right now, I'd want to be put on that list because then can't you use yeah. that as like some type of double jeopardy or some type of I've served my suspension? Like, wouldn't you want to be on that list right now? And also, yeah. are you maybe shocked that he's not already on that list? Because that's something I thought would have happened a while ago, personally. Yeah, I really have no idea. I don't I don't know enough about like the inner workings of league policy in that regard. Um, like going into the year, I just kind of assumed that they were going to leave him inactive every time. That's what they were kind of saying and hinting at the fact that he like showed up to training camp and, you know, faked an injury three days later. And like, he's in the building, like he shows up every day to work and he's just mm-hmm. like a ghost kind of like haunting around, you know, over there. <laughs> like he's, I guess he's like sitting somewhere. He's in the like bathroom. The team? Like, what I, have, I really have no idea, but like he's in the building, like he's doing something <laughs> there and like That's showing weird. up for work. Like, I That's guess bizarre, I would, yeah. if I was a Texan employee, uh, but yeah, I, I really have no idea if it would be better for him to be on the exempt list. What would happen if they activate him? I don't know yeah. if he like suited up. If he's like, I'm not going out there. They try to put him in. He's like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. I really have no idea what would occur. That's so interesting. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens, Matt. We'll bring you in at some point if there's some interesting, especially if he's traded within the division. Honestly. 
Yeah. Um, we'll definitely have to bring you in if he does go to, you know, most likely would be, I guess, Miami at this stage, maybe the giants, like you mentioned. Um, I mean, there are talks that Miami would, I think Miami makes a deal if they didn't get told that he'd probably be suspended. Yeah. And there, that's the rumor right now too, that there was something that Houston was offered three first round picks and three second round picks for the draft and they turned it down, but I don't know. And there's a rumor that the, the Dolphins general manager doesn't want to trade for him, but the owner does. I don't, I don't know what's real or what isn't with it. And, uh, and like, I mean, we have, I, I never really had a good feeling to it. I feel like I didn't know enough about him. And then like the first two games this year where he's like staring at the cornerback coming off the edge and like, per, like turning away from it instead of throwing hot off of it and getting hurt against Buffalo. Like he did. It's hard to, it's hard to feel like there's a whole lot there at the moment, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I guess we got to turn this to the attention of the other side of the ball briefly as you know, there, there is a game to be played. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, under, under Trod Taylor, I mean, they look pretty good. Like, I'm not going to lie. I know Jacksonville's not a great team. Um, I was shocked at how bad they actually were, to be honest. Um, I really thought that they'd maybe compete a little bit. Um, and how bad the Colts are, how bad the Titans could be. I mean, the Bills and the Texans have one thing in common. I think their divisions both suck, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, there's not a lot of they, like between the eight teams. I mean, you got Buffalo. I couldn't tell you who's the second Tennessee, I guess, was the second best team out of those eight teams. I don't know. Like, so like, is that your opinion? Like, like, wasn't there like a little bit of hope that how bad the Colts are, like how bad the Jaguars are like that? Maybe something could happen there. Yeah. Like they're still in second place in this division. I guess they're like still only game back of Tennessee after all that. Um, yeah. I would, I would think Tennessee's the second best team out of those. The only thing that's difference between the AFC East and AFC South is that the South is like a lot of fun, you know, like watching like Carson <laughs> Wentz like hold in there against pressure for seven seconds and just throw like a an albatross at his receiver's Talk heels. Talk about a fun. ghost. Break yeah. both of the ankles, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and, like, the Titans offense is always fun. And like Jacksonville is just so unbelievably stupid right now and just a complete mess. <laughs> that at least like they're fun to watch. Like Miami's dreadful. Uh, New England's really boring too. You know, so at least like you have like a, a fun, a more fun no, absolutely. division in the South, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I, I, I say, I will say I've won bets on betting the Jets team under total every single week so far this season. <laughs> so, so keep that going for sure. Um, but obviously, you know, defensive side of the football here, you bring up Zach Cunningham as a guy who's maybe, you know, not getting home, not hitting home. We're, we're used to, you know, our defensive side of the ball, not hitting home pretty much all of last season. Um, so we know the struggle that you guys might be seeing there. Um, but, you know, if, when you look at this defense, is there maybe a strength that of it that maybe we should be watching out for? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of cover too. And the strength was kind of Justin Reba's awesome in it where he forced, he forced the turnover against Jacksonville. He forced both the team's turnovers in the first half against Cleveland. Uh, one of which was was breaking on a post route to pick it off. The other was you know driving on another post route um, as the single high safety to force a fumble and cover three. And like that was like the, the highlight of the defense. And the defense kind of worked where they couldn't get stops at all. You know they forced Baker Mayfield a one incompletion that Cleveland game. They had three turnovers against Jacksonville. Against Carolina, they didn't stop them once in the entire second half. After the Panthers found you know pretty good equilibrium after they lost Christian McCaffrey in the first quarter. And that was kind of the entire aspect of the defense was that they force turnovers and they don't force turnovers. They don't really get any stops at all. But like Justin Reed at safety is probably like the, the nicest thing I can say about it because they're playing cover two because Lovey Smith's a DC, but their cornerbacks right now are Traymond Smith and Vernon Hargreaves. Um, their front four is like deep, but there's eight or nine guys they rotate through, but no one's like an actual premier impact pass rusher at all. 
And at linebackers, it's Christian Kirksey. Uh, and I always want to call him Kirksey for whatever reason. And Cameron Dragger <laughs> Hill. And as Zach Cunningham, who's been, you know, bad back as well linebacker position, but they don't create pressure enough to actually play like a good cover too. Um, their cornerbacks don't really know how like to squat and take away the corner rail that well. And like, and like they're one safety short of having like a good, like two eye shell because Eric Murray's not very good. And uh, same thing with Lonnie Johnson Jr. too. So I guess forcing turnover is kind of the nicest thing to say about him, especially Justin Reed is supposed to play this weekend where he may be like the only pro bowler named on this team. <laughs> well, you, you have you have a former Pro Bowler from us, Andre Roberts. There returning. Kicks. Oh yeah, <laughs> little little bit of a disappointing start to the season for. Him. I mean, his average is fine and stuff, but you know when you bring in a guy like that, you kind of expect more. And we got a little bit of that last year, so I just didn't know if that's something you know maybe frustrating a little bit there. Yeah, he's had two fumbles on punt returns. Mm-hmm. One was against Cleveland on a player they actually got a stop. They actually got third down stop in Cleveland. He fumbled it up. And it was funny because two years ago they had DeAndre Carter as their kick return. He was bad at it. He always fumbled. He had that really bad fumble against Kansas City that kind of like opened the gates of hell in that playoff game. And yeah. it's like, well, now we're going to pay a guy just to return kicks, and we've done that. And now he was went from all pro to fumbling twice like he did. But he had one catch from Davis Mills, which is good, and that kind of lowers your brand Cooks' target share, <laughs> which uh, gives the losing their sprint out the ball some. Yeah, and there's always a debate here up here. Like, like so what the Bills like to do is because their roster is pretty deep that they will spend eight draft picks on special teams. Like, no joke, they use three or four mm-hmm. slots to linebacker. They use a slot and running back to, to special teams. They have seven gunners that they like to swap in. They, you know, have a special teams receiver in Jake Kumaro. Um, you know, they like to really, they, they like, like Reggie Gilliam, they keep a traditional fullback on the roster now. I mean, you know. Taiwan Jones, you know, so th- they, they really like their special teams players and it's struggled. Like, honestly, one of the weakest parts of the Bills roster right now is um, some struggles that they've had. Like Isaiah McKenzie forgot to field the kick last week. And I don't know if that was a punt. We really don't know what happened there. I don't know. What I think it was the wind. I'll blame the wind. I'll blame the wind on that one. Sure. I wasn't there, but he, but... Lee was telling his special teams unit, like literally that's what you do as a coach. Like literally that's your job. Like, Hey, it's windy. Yeah. Like, field that <laughs> kick. It's a kick. It's live. Um, so like between that yeah. and some, some special teams penalties, they've had a punt block, probably could have had one block last week by, by a pretty poor Washington team. Um, just, just all around, like there's been some, some, some real gaffes on that. And that's not even to go with McKenzie's talent as a returner. He's a pretty good returner. I mean, he has a talent. He's not putting the ball on the ground, which he hasn't really done. He's a really mm-hmm. talented returner. Um, and that's why the Bills thought they could get rid of Roberts. And you know, the biggest debate here is like, hey, for like two, two and a half, three million dollars, probably could have kept a Pro Bowl returner and not rostered some of these bummy special teams linebackers that <laughs> is so essential to the success of the roster. Um, like, do you buy into that? Like, I mean, obviously the Texans thought enough to like roster him at a significant number. And the Bills were like, yeah, we'll just take McKenzie at this stage. Do you, do you buy into that he's bringing something to the Texans roster? Because that, that's honestly a debate here. It's like, oh, we should still have Roberts. Like, even though he played horrible in the playoffs. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's what UDFAs are for, you know. I think right. I kind of like think of, like, special teams as you break the pool queue and you kind of throw it in the locker room, and then you see what happens. And, like, whoever's kind of the best, like, seven guys, and you're able to use that kind of like as your minor league farm system uh, by having these guys get some live reps, get the speed of the game down as they you know, spend their time, their position coaches and learn the actual position they play for the pro game. It's kind of a better way to do it. But like some guys are, are such great talents that they're worth paying, you know, a couple million dollars or having a roster spot specifically to return kicks. 
Um, Roberts, you know, previously had been that, but so far in Houston, he hasn't. And also he's gotten a little bit up there in age too. So, and the Texans did take that reproach, re- approach, I guess, two years ago where they signed a bunch of guys just for special teams, a lot of ex New England guys didn't work, but their special teams got better. And they did the same thing again this offseason. Their special teams is bad too. And I think it just kind of lends itself also that, you know, special teams is just such a mercurial, you know, part of the game that like kickers miss kicks against you. Sometimes they make them against you. Sometimes you hit the, hit your snap off your up back and then you lead to a touchdown. You know, there's weird things that happen to, to that part of the game too. So. Yeah, absolutely. How about a kicker? Like, I mean, like obviously mm-hmm. an injury to Kaimi Fairbairn, uh, Joey Sly, like, is that something you can expect him to come in and hit field goals in sometimes a pretty tough environment? Like, is that something like, I mean, it matters. I mean, you saw a team like the giants, for instance, you know, they've lost two on, on kicks. Um, like does, does Houston, are they able to compete in the kicking game when like the, the points are really important as you're playing someone like the bills? Yeah, I mean, Sly made his field goal so far this year, and Kaimi is supposedly supposed to be back this year. Like, Fairbairn's a kicker who's good, less than 40 yards, or less than 50 yards, anything over 50 kind of struggles out. He shouldn't have been a top-five kicker, but it's one of those, like, classic Bill O'Brien contracts. And I feel bad for guys like P.J. Hall or, uh, you know, other Texans veterans who would have been for, like, a three-year, $24 million with O'Brien, but he unfortunately left them last year, and they lost a big, you know, payday that would have provided for four generations after them as a result of it. But you know, slime has been fine. I didn't really realize how much Panthers fans hated him. And I, I had a friend who's a <laughs> Panthers fan. He was over and watched the Thursday night football <laughs> game. And he was furious every time he, every time he saw Sly on the field. And he's like, of course he made that one, but he missed an extra point that made him happy. So I guess it, he's a, a reputation of him aside from the Houston Texans. That is, you carried over from Carolina still too. Mm, interesting. The Bills probably follow that closely being ex-Carolina fans. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, people hate the Carolina jokes up here. I love them, but I can't get enough of them. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask you about, we're talking about kicking here. You know, I don't know if you follow the account Surrender Index on Twitter. Um, yeah, I saw some of that. Yeah, so, so you know, David Culley has made an appearance on here at least four or five times in every single game so far, being in the 99th percentile of basically what they call cowardly plays, um, whether he's punting from the 39 or, you know, and that, whatnot. It, it, just him as a first-year head coach here, you know, d- how would you grade him just three games into the season? Because from Should outside – Dable. Should have Brian Dable there. <laughs> from the outside, I hate to be mean, but he's just so fun to laugh at. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, David Coley is more of a like a YMCA camp counselor than a football <laughs> coach, you know? And so, like, he was mainly brought here to improve the morale, get guys, like, want to play football again in Houston, kind of, like, flip the narrative around of what the culture of the team was and what people thought of them after the Bill Bryan era, where it was just, like, really dour and nobody – I don't think people had, like, a lot of fun here, especially when they were losing uh, with O'Brien there. But, like, yeah, I mean, he's not running the offense at all. He's not running the defense. And even some of the preseason, I just go with my gut tells me on, you know, these sort of decisions. Really, it's kind of like what your nuts tell you in these sort of decisions instead. And so we saw like two just like completely dumbfounding decisions. One was against Cleveland where he declined the penalty to get an extra down, turning around third and 15. Yeah. It, it would have been third and 10. But they also completed a pass down the one-yard line at the 40. So the correct call would have been t- decline the penalty and just go for him fourth and one. And then you saw the fourth <laughs> and four pint on the 40-yard line or so. Ned Carolina game as well. And it's like one of those things like it doesn't really matter because the Texans aren't really here to win football games this year. They're kind of more here to like see which young players are good, try to change the culture around to the Bill O'Brien era, get as much as they can for Deshaun Watson, 
hope they nail those picks and they're able to like springboard into like a good Texans team, you know, maybe by 2023 or so. But uh, he's not, it would be worse if like they're fighting for like an AFC South playoff spot. And this Texans team is going to do that though. Yeah. Is there a name like, and also like I'll be watching at least like for a name that, you know, might be worth watching on the Texans. Like, you know, I'm sure if you ask the bills person or media guy or, or podcast, they could give you a name. That's not Josh Allen. Like, what do you got for us of a, of a player? That's like what you just said, that is on that list of like, all right, I want to cut all these guys, but I would really <laughs> like to hang on to X who's X. Well, offensively, I, I don't know. They're just releasing like any skilled players there. I mainly just watch the offensive line get mad. Uh, Cause it's like, they don't make the same blocks they can make all along. But, like watching Laramie Tensel pass. That's a lot of fun. Like they mutized Howard from right guard to left guard or from right tackle left guard. And that was really kind of one of the silly moves this off season. Cause you want to play a younger player at a more pr- premium position where he's had a lot of success at being a really good edge protector, which is more important than like being a good pass protector at guard. And he's been awful in the run game. So like, I guess from like an intrigue standpoint, you know, Howard's an interesting player uh, offensively for Houston to watch for. Cause like, who knows what's going to happen. He may be upset. They move him to guard. He may try to test the mark as the tackle in two years from now. Uh, he hasn't been like good enough to like worth for having some big market extension at all. So I don't see happen there. And defensively, it's really kind of Justin Reed. Um, they like, he's the star of the defense. He's probably a pro bowler. He's going to be a free agent after this year too. And then oh, wow. like okay. they're, they're front four. They just have guys who make splashes, you know, like Jacob Martin may have a sack or a good, a good pass rush move a game, but teams just set on his edge move and he doesn't have like a inside move aside from a chop that he just like flails around. Sometimes he gets lucky enough to find light. And Omene who's interesting as like an interior rusher, but he's been, you know, he's too slow to turn the corner on the edge. He's been so bad in the run game too that you really can't play him every down. But he's also free agent after this year too. And so I think like Omenehu number ninety four and Justin Reed are probably like the two most most interesting guys to watch on defense from like okay. a, a name perspective for the future. And then like if you want to have fun like watching Zach Cunningham's like run fits are always fun to watch mm-hmm. and watching him block to the second level are fun to watch because he's you know supposed to be the anchor and the star of this defense and he hasn't been that at all this year too. Yeah, no, that's that's what it seems like. And injuries, do you have any any nuggets or notes on that? Like, you know, I know Greed's been banged up. Like, if you're the Texans, do you really press players on the road? Maybe you do. Like, do you really make sure they're healthy? Like, give them a week off. Like, like he said, it's not about winning football games. Want to make sure these guys are healthy, not not getting hurt. Um, like, what's any any injury notes to 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 be aware of if you're listening in? And you know, the Bills fans might be like, I have no idea. Besides Justin Reed, I have no idea. Yeah, Reed was. <laughs> I was supposed to be evaluated today. I think he's supposed to play on Sunday. I uh, came McGregor Hill had a, like actually a pretty good game in Cleveland. He had a blitz off the edge for a sack, a rare Levy Smith blitz, something that he shows a lot, but rarely ever actually goes through with. Uh, and he had like two tackles for a loss too. And he was good against Cleveland, but he was out last week. I don't think he's very good in general, but he had a, he had like a, a fly across the sun against Cleveland. And so I wonder, he's supposed to play this week as well too. And then I guess like the probably the most interesting injury wise is that, Again, like Davis Mills takes a lot of hits, and behind him is Jeff Driscoll. And so we may see some oh. Jeff Driscoll, which would be uh, mortifying. And the Texans did that thing this offseason where they trade a six-round pick for Ryan Finley and then come <laughs> before he ever play a snap, just kind of you know handing off a, a six-round pick for no reason at all. And so we may see some Jeff Driscoll this week, especially against this Bills defense that blitzes as much as they do, especially off the edge, runs stunts as well as they do, have the, the front that's as deep as they have. And then you're going to get the quarterback who, you know, takes a lot of hits and everything else and maybe playing an offense that 
has like one training wheel wheel on instead of two, you know. So there may be some injuries there. I mean, they yeah. knocked out Tua. Um, they did, yeah. yeah. This what fourth play of the game from him? Like really? I mean, they just didn't block. Like Miami just didn't block. So I'm assuming. I think like Houston's probably a leg up on. Do you? Is there so? Let's see. So the AFC South. Do you play? So you play the whole division up here. So. Um, you know, I'm interested. I'm, I'm honestly, yeah, I'm interested to see Houston play some of the division teams. I want to see where they stack up with mm-hmm. the Jets, mm-hmm. the Dolphins, the Patriots. I, I don't think that's a given three losses for Houston. I think that they can. Oh, I don't Jets. think so at all. Yeah. I think that they can potentially compete against the Dolphins if you match in. A, I mean, especially, I mean, I don't even know what Tua really is, but I mean, I definitely think that, that's an interesting, like, I want to see, I don't know why, but I want to see the Texans, maybe the Jaguars against this, this AFC East. What's your like? We'll kind of cap it off with what's your like expectation? Give me a record and like look at that schedule. Like, I mean, that's two yeah. wins there. I mean, there's there's potential there to like be a little bit better than you'd want, right? Yeah, I, I picked. I wasn't like buying that they would go zero and seventeen or one sixteen. I picked them to win four games. You know, this year I felt like I was a little okay. like double most most people's win total just because they have veterans and you know, Levy yeah. Smith's scheme is archaic. But like, if you know how to play it well. And know how to like put your body in front of throws and take away throwing windows, you know. And again, force turnovers is the key to that defense. And if they're able to do that, um, they probably like kind of fall their way into some wins. But I mean, yeah, like, if you look at the the schedule right now, you know, New England's so boring. They have no offense that maybe they could win like a nineteen ten. You know, no James White now. Yeah, yeah. no, no James White as well too. Yeah, and they don't really like. And Mac Jones is playing such a boring offense there, where they're not really really stretching things down the field at all. Um, I really don't think like there's a really good win opportunity until they play Zach Wilson because Tyrod Taylor's hurt. You know, like Taylor at least had the opportunity to make games interesting when he was healthy. Yeah. But Nils, mm-hmm. like, I'm not really expecting that. And I know like I'm more down on him than a lot of people probably are because they're like, well, he's young. Let's wait and see what happened. But we saw what happened to Tom Savage when we did that for four years. And so <laughs> I think with Davis Mills, again, it goes back to you know, what we saw with college from him too. Um, the one thing I forgot to mention for some to look forward to watching the Texans play is they play their cover too. The best thing about it is that you'll see a receiver sometimes just stand like 18 yards deep up the field, standing flat-footed, looking at the quarterback. And it may take like five seconds or so, but the quarterback <laughs> like, will eventually find them and look the other way and be like, oh, yeah, there's nobody within 15 yards. And so you see a lot of these like flat-footed like Sanders, to be honest. Honestly, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like I always love whenever that happens. Like DJ Moore did like three or four times last week. And so that's kind of like my favorite like – uh uh you know, sardonic, like mean thing to, to move forward <laughs> watch the Texans play. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we got through this show without making too many jokes about Davis Mills next. So I do have a regret there. Uh, but uh, last thing we'll do here, get your prediction as we do every single time that uh, we have a guest from another team on the show. How do you think the game's going to go? I think we already kind of got a sense for that. Uh, but give us a score prediction to wrap this up, Matt. Yeah, I feel weird because I think whenever I don't, I don't know what other people say when they do these sort of shows. They talk about the team that they write about or cover, or whatever. I feel like they're a lot nicer, so I don't know. But this is my my personal, you know, Super Bowl. You should, you should get on with the Let's Talk Jets guy. I mean, you guys would be a great combo. Oh my there god, yeah, Tyson over the there Jets. is fantastic. He, no, he hates him just as much as anybody <laughs> else. He's fantastic. <laughs> That's the, I always like saying S U C K suck 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 when I watch the Jets play. He's probably um, yelling it too. <laughs> I this so I, this is my personal Super Bowl after you know hearing all the haters and losers for the last three years about Josh Allen. So I'm gonna go 41-10 Buffalo. I think Allen has 400, 400 total yards of you know rushing and passing, and uh, he has four t- combined touchdowns too. 
because like they're just really the same thing defensively aside from maybe getting some pass rush against you know Williams that you could probably expect it all uh, for like the one weak spot. But again, like they're flash plays, they're they're struggling to get like consistent pressure, and the zone's pretty easy. And Allen's so good at progressing through his reads, and they don't have the cornerback playing man coverage at all. And everything else, like Davis Mills going against the high blitz defense, I think it's going to be a massacre. And it's kind of like just trying not to die, Davis Mills, kind of like how it was against Carolina. <laughs> well, you guys can all hear me, Kevin, and Meerkat's predictions on the pregame show this Sunday. We're going to go live at 1145, so tune in for that. Matt, thanks again for being here, man. If any Bills fans want to get some more knowledge on the Texans, where can they find your work this week? Yeah, I write over at Battle Red Blog. I didn't have internet this week, so there was some things I wanted to write that I get the chance to. But uh, next week, there should be more stuff. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Double underscore Weston. And then the podcast I do is Battle Red Radio. If you search for Houston Texans podcast, and we also do like a weekly like NFL show where we take four games a week and kind of talk about like some kind of general stuff. There's some analysis in there. A lot of it's kind of silly, but it's always a <laughs> it's always a fun thing to do once a week too. So like yeah, to, to be able to watch the whole league, you know. And I will say yeah. Matt's been a Allen fan for years, like many, many years, um, dating at least a couple of years. So, you know, Bills fans, I even, even like when obviously the Texans aren't playing the Bills, I see you get some good, good content out. Like sometimes I think you go through some of his progressions. Um, so, so get out there and follow him for some good mm-hmm. Josh Allen content. I'll retweet it when I see stuff like that. So uh, make sure, make sure you definitely do that. And is this like a real story? Someone tried to say something about a dog. Is that, I was oh, confused. Oh, we got uh, it. I hate, yeah. I hate this dog. So well, I'm, <laughs> bummed, I'm bummed that the, they've scrubbed the coaches film. So it's hard for me to find my Josh Allen video. But yeah, I always okay. have to look through the highlights of Josh Allen and, and Justin Herbert once a week. But yeah, so the Texans, <laughs> you know, admit their horrible PR battle against the fan base, you know, men like, you know, forcing people to keep their season tickets or, not only allowing season ticket holders to your know, training camp and having a bad football team and doing things like train DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> and, and letting JJ walk, walk for nothing and everything else. They, uh, their new PR stuff they did though was they hired a, they they not they didn't hire they didn't make a dog. It's not under bonus song, but they adopted a dog that I guess is supposed to be a service training dog. And it's like a lab, I think. And they post pictures of it and they post like Reddit you know Reddit sort comments like. You know, I'm a good boy. This or have like you know a fluffing great you know hump day, or you know one day I'm gonna be you know a, a great a great dog or whatever. And I hate it. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's stupid. It you know just goes towards like you know the brainless masses that will still say you know go Texans every Sunday, and it, and it completely is like a half-hearted and lazy attempt to you know negate the fact that they've been. A complete train wreck and have ruined like what should have been a perennial Super Bowl contender and have turned into like a, a two-in team that we're at now. And now all they have after all those great players have left is this you know stupid dog that if I ever see this dog, I'm kicking it. I love my do- two dogs. I love dogs. But if I see this damn Texans pop ever in the street, I'm kicking this dog. Well, train wreck sports the right show to be on for that. Um, are you now when it comes down to it, like do you get a lot of heat for that? Or do people like, yeah, no, I like Matt. Man, that's like how I feel. Uh, I mean, nobody. See, the, the the difference is though is that people don't really have the goal to say they want to kick the dog. Yeah, but I know. Like, I know. That's like, it. Like, pretty much. Like, I'm everybody's shadow right now. It's like I'm saying the thing that everybody feels, and like if they align <laughs> with it, they'd be no. closer towards you know, discovering the self. But like, they want to kick the dog. Everybody wants to kick the dog, but I'm the only one who will actually say it. So I'm speaking for the people, you know. 
<laughs> you're you're just saying what everybody is too afraid to to put out there on their own. So so you know you're you're doing the Lord's work, Matt. You really are. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I should, have, to- <laughs> I should have duct tape on my mouth, like one of those awful stamp comic sets from like 2003 or something. It's too hot to handle, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know I I saw that tweet that someone replied to the show announcement. So Kevin, thank you for remembering to ask that. That's a great way to end this show. <laughs> Everyone, remember we'll be live for pregame at 11:45 on. Sunday, Matt Weston from Battle Red Blog, Kevin Masseri, Meerkat here. Thank you, Picasso's Pizza. Thank you, Outlet Liquor, for everyone here at Trainwreck Sports. Good night now.